0: Hello and welcome to the first ever Voluntary Hippie Podcast. This is J.G. Vibes. Since this is the first show, I'm going to start out with a bit of an introduction so you know what to expect from here on out, and so I can explain some of the basic philosophical principles that guide the ideas that I'll be putting forward. If you're interested in finding out more about me and my background, please have a look at my website, aotmr.com, and my book, Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance, which can also be found at the website. I have put together this podcast, probably for much the same reason that you find yourself listening to it, and that is the fact that our world is obviously in deepening trouble. I'm not trying to get you too bummed out or anything. This started way before any of us were born, and while things may be looking bleak over the horizon, We are not on the verge of any kind of doomsday. We're actually on the brink of a great opportunity, um, and that is an opportunity to create the first society in history that can actually be called civilized. Obviously, what we're living in right now can hardly be called a civilization. One of my main goals with this project is to merge the psychedelic culture with the voluntarist philosophy. I have noticed uh, a need for this because, uh, because these ideas really do go hand-in-hand, hand, uh, but they really haven't been discussed much in the same circles.
1: Since the counterculture
0: posed such a threat to the establishment when it sprang up in the mid-1960s, there was a massive campaign to subvert the messages and anti-authoritarian nature of the movement. This was a constant effort that took place over decades. If you want to know more about the specifics of this, hang around for future podcasts and we're going to discuss all that in length. Uh, You could start your own research today uh, by looking into how major players in the psychedelic movement were actually government assets, uh, namely CFR member Gordon Wasson. Uh, Recently, uh, there was some work done uh, through Gnostic Media um, exposing uh, his connections. To various government organizations. Uh, The Laurel Canyon mind control story is also something that's really interesting uh, as far as the uh, musicians and artists that came out of that time in history. Sadly, I believe that these attempts to co opt the counterculture were largely successful, as today um, the mainstream artistic community has little aversion to the violence inherent in state power. In fact, uh, much of the um, counterculture, even, still respects the illegitimate authority of government and still sees politics as a viable option for affecting social change. This should tell you right there that the movement has been hijacked by the political system because all of their efforts are now funneled into the political system where they will have no effect. I explain this uh, in the uh, Tricks of the Trade chapter of my book, Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance. When the establishment is faced with a revolutionary movement that they cannot stamp out, they work to infiltrate that movement and assimilate their own worldview into that movement's culture. One of the many uncomfortable truths that I will be discussing in this podcast is that politics is not the answer to any of our problems in any way whatsoever to actually use the guns of government to, accomp- to try to accomplish even the most noble of goals, you are going to end up with a complete disaster. Because as we all know, violence does not solve problems. It doesn't matter if you hide this violence with euphemistic language like war, taxation, arrest, intervention, the violence that's taking place does not change. Um, when you carry out these aforementioned actions, murder extortion kidnap and coercion is still happening it doesn't matter if you dress it up with fancy language all right before i get off onto too much of a tangent um i'll just get into introducing the basic principles that i feel can create a civilized society of peaceful human interaction um first off there's self-ownership which is uh Basically, the idea that I own my own body, you own your own body, we we all own ourselves. Therefore, we can do whatever we want with our bodies, so long as we don't hurt anyone else or their property in the process. And um, that brings me to uh, the non-aggression principle. Uh, And that is one of the most important uh, concepts in the world and uh, we learned it all in kindergarten basically don't use violence on nonviolent people don't take things that belong to you or that don't belong to you and don't lie to or take advantage of others this self-evident premise was easy for most of us to pick up at a very young age But unfortunately, after kindergarten, we spent the next 12 years being told a bunch of lies about how there were some people who not only violated the non-aggression principle on a regular basis, but they were actually admired and idolized for doing so. This paradox, among many others that we are forced to accept in our youth, really warp our minds. To the point where many of us are unable to detect irrational and destructive ideas when they are presented to us. Likewise, it makes it even more difficult for us to separate fact from fiction because we become content with holding contradictory viewpoints. This is what George Orwell described as doublethink in his book 1984. This process is also known as cognitive dissonance in scientific circles. The idea that those within the organization known as government are exempt from certain rules that the general population must comply with is a perfect example of this doublethink that I'm speaking of. Most people in their everyday lives believe in and live according to the non-aggression principle. The problem, um, as I just alluded to, is the fact that there is this massive double standard where we have come to accept different rules for different people. And this creates a master-slave relationship between the people um, who make the rules and are allowed to break them and the people who have to follow them. And all in all, these people are all just flesh and blood human beings who are just as competent as one another and just as um, capable as one another. Uh, If you are familiar with any of my other work, you probably already know that this is um, an issue that I revisit quite often uh, because I believe that the violations of the non-aggression principle um, are at the very root of the problems that are tearing every society in the world apart. And um, to allow violations of the non-aggression principle to continue, and to glorify violations of the non-aggression principle is to guarantee that violence will continue on this planet. And the direct violence of the government is is the obvious part that we can attribute to them. The warfare, the police state, the strong arm collections of uh, taxes and fines. Uh, but what mo- pe- most people don't see is that The violence carried out by troubled individuals within a society um, can also be attributed to government as well. And um, the distorted morality that is created by this um, imbalance of uh, of ability to commit violence that I was just speaking of. Uh, The most powerful people in the world become powerful by establishing all these rules and restrictions that they themselves are exempt from and this gives them a very considerable unfair advantage. And uh, when this is how the world operates, it makes perfect sense that your average person uh, has no respect for morality whatsoever. Um, After being subject to irrational and oppressive moral codes that are not respected by the so-called authorities who establish them, people end up thinking that morality is a chump's game, and uh, this is where that whole nice guys finish last mentality comes from. It is the idea that since people in power break the rules, that must mean that you need to break the rules if you want to become powerful. And unfortunately, to a large degree, this is very true in our society, the way things are structured which is why it is essential um, that things change, and that any moral code that we adapt in society must be universal and apply to all human beings equally. That way, morality can actually be an element of order as opposed to a tool of oppression, as it is today, and as it has been throughout history. When a code of ethics is created that is not universal, it will naturally create a situation where whoever is exempt from the rules will have the ability to dominate those who are not. Luckily, we already have such a code of ethics established uh, to prevent this, and that is the non-aggression principle that I've been speaking about. Although most of us live our lives uh, according to these ideals, These principles have not yet been applied to the macrocosm of collective social interactions, uh, such as, you know, government, church, banking, uh, all these large institutions that have monopolies uh, on their given territory and uh, make rules for everybody else that don't apply to them. Uh, In terms of government, government is the one that has a monopoly on violence. We all agree that violence is a bad thing, and that the world would be a better place off if we could reduce its occurrence. With that being said, doesn't it seem obvious that to allow anyone free reign to use force under any circumstances other than self-defense, it's going to inevitably lead to more violence? Because this unjust power can be used, and will be used, as it has been throughout history. So um, to kind of clarify this, I'm going to look at this from a different angle uh, because sometimes works of art and stories speak to us much clearer than facts and statistics. And because of that, uh, many times throughout this show, I'm going to uh, take looks at uh, take a look at uh, different pieces of art and music uh, that kind of uh, tell a story that can relate to the struggle for freedom and what we're experiencing in real life. Um, In this case, um, when we're talking about power and uh, the nature of violence and government power, if you are familiar with the Lord of the Rings series, uh, you may know that the uh, symbolism in that movie surrounding the ring uh, kind of can relate to this, and I think it probably does. Uh, For those of you who might be too cool for the Lord of the Rings series, I'll give a a brief explanation. Uh, But it's still been a few years since I've seen any of it or read any of it, so uh, I'm going to be very general here. Uh, So basically, there's this ring that all these various people and even entire civilizations fight over. Because the ring gives whoever wears it immense power. And the only problem is that power comes with a price and whoever is in possession of that ring becomes mad with obsession for more power and becomes totally insane and destructive. And this is the fate that falls on anyone who puts on the ring. Uh, they become literally possessed even um, even after separating themselves from it and taking off the ring. Eventually, the ultimate solution is to destroy the ring and just get rid of it so no one can have it at all, and then this power consumes no one. Um, There was, without a doubt, probably hundreds of metaphors within this series, but I definitely think that this main metaphor um, is symbolic of government power, and I think that this rings even more true when you look at some of the beliefs that J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of this book and series, had in his everyday life, he, was, he didn't believe in government. He was actually an anarchist. Um, in a letter to his son, he said, My political opinions lean more and more toward anarchy. Philosophically understood, meaning abolition of control, not whiskered men with bombs. And as with the Ring story, the concept of power is something that we are a lot better off without. And I think that that is something that... Uh, He understood very well, and summed up quite well in his story. Um, Now, I know if, if you haven't quite let go of that domination paradigm that has been shoved down all of our throats through government education and the mainstream media, then you are probably thinking, But what about human nature, dude? Isn't it natural for all humans to be violent and deceitful and destructive? Well, I have another uncomfortable truth for you, and that is that this is a total bullshit cop-out that has no basing whatsoever, and it lets genocidal maniacs off the hook and perpetuates this destructive and unsustainable way of life that we are currently trapped in. Um, I have recently wrote some articles on this subject of human nature, so I'm going to clarify some of my thoughts on this subject by revisiting some of these articles now. Human nature, a self-fulfilling prophecy. This could be found through activist post. It was published Tuesday, January 31st, 2012. If there is one thing that is holding this species back from a world of peace, freedom, and abundance, it is the idea that destructive behavior is naturally present in human nature. Whenever someone suggests that finding peaceful solutions to problems that we are currently solving, and I say that lightly, with violence, they are typically told that peaceful interactions just don't jive with human nature. It seems that a very negative picture of human nature is ingrained into the social consciousness, but in reality we have no way of truly determining what human nature is Due to the various environmental factors that influence our thoughts and actions, many people get their impression of human nature from how others around them behave and how people throughout history have behaved. At face value, this approach seems very logical, but still overlooks the mass manipulation of the human species that has taken place at the hands of various authorities throughout history. People who are living in the past were subject to extreme abuse from family, church, and monarchy, as well as the harsh wilderness that they were forced to contend with. These factors, along with the terrible example that was set by those in power, have resulted in the abhorrent behavior that we observe in history. In our own time, gangs called governments, indoctrination camps called schools, and propaganda called media have molded the minds of nearly everyone on the planet. With this being the case, does it make more sense for the negative behavior we see in our fellow human beings to be a result of human nature, or does it make more sense that this behavior is the intended result of the external manipulation that I have just mentioned? During the brutal crusades of the Middle Ages, uh, or I'm sorry, did the brutal crusades of the middle ages occur as a result of human nature was this a natural occurrence that could not have been prevented or were the crusades simply an example of a time when people in power took it upon themselves to convince other people to kill each other sure It makes us feel a lot better to say that these kind of things are unavoidable and will always be a part of our culture, but that won't help to prevent similar atrocities from happening in the future. If anything, it would make more sense to observe children who were uncorrupted by these factors if you actually wanted to get an accurate idea of what human nature might be. Children are kind and curious beings who don't exhibit signs of violence or greed until they learn these traits from their family and society. It isn't until children are abused into submission by their culture and by those in authority that they start taking their traits out uh, by taking on the traits of their abusers and acting out against others. Sorry for that slip up there this situation presents itself on many levels it is fairly common psychological knowledge that a vast majority of serial killers and extremely violent criminals were severely abused as children and their current aggressions are directly related to the pain that they felt when they themselves were hurt and defenseless. So it would make more sense for the uh, macrocosm of our civilization to work the same way. A species that has been abused for centuries is going to think that abuse is a natural part of life, thus ensuring that the abuse will continue. This is how our perception of human nature becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. If we think that human beings are dangerous and violent creatures, then some of us will be able to rationalize and justify malevolent behavior by writing it off as human nature, instead of condemning it, as they should. If we actually condemn this behavior, instead of making empty excuses for it, we will without a doubt drastically lower the level of violence on this planet individually, and as a species, we can only go as far as our imaginations will take us. We are only capable of what we can imagine, and if all we can imagine is violence, submission, and domination, then that is all that we're ever going to get. This second article is from about a month later. This is also published at Activist Post uh, Sunday, February 26, 2012. Um, And the title is New Biological Studies Reconfirm That Human Nature Is No Excuse For Violence. In a world filled with mostly well-intentioned people and tons of senseless violence, it's completely natural for those people to develop an assortment of justifications and rationalizations for the horror that is taking place around them that they cannot change. One of the most popular of these rationalizations is what I like to call the human nature cop-out. This is basically the notion that violence taking place around the world is justified because humans are naturally prone to violence, and that's just the way it is, as so many of us have heard before. As I discussed in an article last month, this idea is extremely dangerous because it allows people to accept behavior that is detrimental to the well-being of our species. This is really common sense, but there has actually been a scientific consensus that humans are not innately violent, For and this consensus has existed for well over 20 years. In 1986, scientists from all around the world got together and shared psychological and biological evidence uh, until they came up to the conclusion that human nature is no excuse for violent behavior. The findings that were released came to be known as the Seville Statement, and the statement made five propositions, which are as follows. 1. It is scientifically incorrect to say that we uh, we have inherited a tendency to make war from our animal ancestors. 2. It is scientifically incorrect to say that war or any other violent behavior is genetically programmed into our human nature. 3. It is scientifically incorrect to say that in the course of human evolution, there has been selection for aggressive behavior more than other kinds of behavior. 4. It is scientifically incorrect to say that humans have a violent brain. Five. It is scientifically incorrect to say that war is caused by instinct or any single motivation. This profound statement has been ignored by the mainstream media for decades and maligned by many state-sponsored foundations. According to psychologist and researcher Alfie Cohn, the media actually told the sci- scientists, call us back when you find a gene for war, after the spill statement was released. However, despite this lack of attention, new studies continue to reconfirm that human nature is no excuse for violence. This past Monday, which is this back in February, uh, British Columbia, in in Vancouver, British Columbia, at the annual meeting for the American Association for the Advancement of Science, a, biologi- a biologist named Francis D. Wall put forward the idea. adopting a more cooperative culture is possible, necessary, and natural for our species. According to his studies, animals are naturally prone to cooperation when in the right circumstances, which reconfirms the Seville Statement's consensus. Hopefully this new study can tear down some of the barriers that are created by our culture's defeatist perception of human nature. By accepting the view that humans are naturally violent, our culture is basically saying that we are wild beasts that need to be controlled, and since violence is accepted, violence is ultimately used in this process of controlling. This very idea is at the root of genocide, oppression, and exploitation. The violence that we see in our society today, and the violence that we see throughout history, is actually only acted out by a very small percentage of the population. This very tiny percentage of our population is obviously a bad sample in terms of measuring what our species is actually capable of. And that is the end of those two articles. And I would just make a note on the last one that you can never be too sure um, about any kind of science these days because most of it is state funded and state regulated. and You could hardly trust a lot of the results, but uh, I just do think it is interesting that uh, despite all of the claims to the contrary, the scientific evidence is not in favor of this human nature argument, and a lot of people don't realize that, so that is very important to remember. All right, now that you guys have a good idea of what you can expect from the show, uh, I'm going to play some uh, recordings of interviews that I've had this past month. Uh, And after that, I'll go over some news uh, relating to the counterculture from a voluntarist perspective. Uh, So let's get right into uh, the Bob Tusken show. This was actually my first interview, so uh, I might have been a little bit shaky, but uh, I hope you enjoy it. Mentally, physically,
2: financially, agriculturally, real people, real problems,
1: real activism, welcome to the Bob Tusken Radio Show with your host.
2: You know, I brought up the Ted Nugent thing and never got to discuss it any further last night on the show. Is there anything to this or is this just another dividing piece of propaganda for the lamestream media to devour? We see a trend in their propaganda and their style of journalism. We also see a trend in the style of journalism that I have here on the Bob Tuscan Show. It tends to be solution-oriented. Now, we're not afraid to shy away from the root of the problem and the various issues that concern us. We cover some of the most taboo and most difficult topics to discuss. Some of the most evil, satanic elements of our world. On tonight's Bob Tuscan show, J.G. Vibes, he'll be appearing to discuss a variety of topics including artistic activism and practical solutions for the problems we are facing. He will also cover his new book, got to check this out. J.G.'s Vibes is an author and uh, artist with an established record label and promotion company. In addition to various activism efforts, his company Good Vibes Promotions hosts politically charged electronic dance music events. How cool is that? That falls in line with what we do here on the Bob Tuscan Show and playing conscious music using the art for our activism to discuss the themes that we go over here on the show. His company has been responsible for over 100 events since 2007 and offers an extensive roster of over 50 DJs. You can keep up with him and his new book, Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance, at his website, aotmr.com. His book features nearly 100 different essays offering insights into philosophy culture, finance, spirituality, politics, drugs, and uh, the many important issues that our generation faces. All things we discuss explicitly here on The Bob Tuscan Show. This series contains the background information that is necessary to truly understand the social messages that are contained within your favorite work of art. There is a global movement for civil rights that has been using art, philosophy, and civil disobedience to peacefully resist the oppression that has been forced upon the human race by various tyrants over the centuries. AOTMR.com takes a detailed look at this movement as well as its goals, its motivations, and its opposition. This is your guide to the counterculture, the forgotten story of our past and the philosophy of the future. J.G. Vibes is going to be coming on tonight for the full show. I'm excited to have him on. He's a writer at the Activist Post. We publish his stuff at theintelhub.com. I want to learn more about the book and some of the pieces that he's put in his prolific book. Uh, Again, the title of that is The Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance. J.G. Vibes will be our guest. And uh, there's a lot to talk about. We won't shy away from of the current events as well we'll talk about the trivium I know he's into that uh, and critical thinking unschooling lots of good stuff to discuss don't go (laughs) anywhere how to get a name like jg vibes everybody wants to know it's definitely good vibes with all the work that you're doing jg vibes is now with us here on the bob tuscan show Uh, we've been anticipating this interview for some time now welcome jg
1: thanks for having me man it's an honor
2: good to have you so tell me how did you get into this what made you start writing what was your wake-up factor if you will
1: Um, It it wasn't really like one isolated incident. It was kind of like a series of events over a long period of time. Um, I was always really resistant to what was going on in school. You know, like I I always wanted to learn, and I was always into reading, but I just, the whole school situation just seemed really oppressive to me, and it seemed to have nothing to do with learning at all. Um, No, it
2: doesn't. It has to do with indoctrination. Uh, It has to do with uh, repeating what you're told, uh, not thinking for yourself. Uh, this is something that we'll get into in more great length. Uh, I'm sure at some point, go ahead.
1: Oh, um, and yeah, I just, uh, I just would do my own research and it just, I noticed that certain periods of my life, like things that were going on in the real world would relate to the things that I was studying or, um, uh, music would relate to the things that I was studying. And, um, after uh, the market crashed uh, in 08, that really kind of like set my whole research into overdrive because a lot of the things that I was researching for the past couple of years at that point had been saying that that was coming, you know? And when that happened, that kind of like, it kind of like sunk in the reality of everything that was going on, you know? And uh, I just kept on researching, and I felt like I had to participate somehow in what was going on, or, you know, I had to do my part.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Like so many of us. And then the next thing you know, uh, you're learning so much. Uh, A lot of this is our learning process that we're sharing with people out there, whether it's my radio show or your writings. Uh, You're just basically wanting to get out the information that you learned about. Exactly. Exactly. Now, something you talk about here, and since we brought it up, and it's something that is a big theme here on the show, is this schooling process. And, of course, the alternative, which is unschooling, uh, and the liberal arts education with the trivium and quadrivium. What got you into that? Uh, And tell me more uh, about your interest in it.
1: Um, well, it was definitely Tragedy and Hope. I mean, i got to give it to them guys. I stumbled across um, their website when I was researching the book Tragedy and Hope.
2: And, nice, by Carol Quigley. Um,
1: yeah, exactly. And that, for anybody out there who hasn't read it, that is basically oh, yeah. the tome that proves everything that we're talking about And that here. was Phil
2: Clinton's manifesto. He studied with Quigley at Georgetown.
1: Exactly, yeah, that's correct. So, but, yeah, um, so
2: you came across, you were looking at Tragedy and Hope with all the uh, crazy conspiracies uh, contained in that book, basically a blueprint for the powers that shouldn't be. Uh, and you came across Richard Grove, Jan Irvin, all my buddies over there, uh, probably even myself you saw on their website at some point, uh, and they turned you on to this trivium and unschooling stuff, John Taylor Gatto, et cetera.
1: Yeah, exactly, and I've just kind of been studying it myself over the past year or so. I mean, I still consider myself very much a new student at that, you know what I mean? But I'm getting more and more into it, and I think it's something that just needs to get out there to as many people as possible because right. everybody thinks that they've learned everything there is to know after they were in school, and really none of us have even really started learning yet.
2: No, you, you never stop, and the second you stop learning you're old, you're done with. You know, that's the sign of somebody who's young in a sense, not as far as age, but as far as uh, the ability to grow. The more you learn, the better off you are and you can never stop that process, never.
1: Yeah, totally, I agree with you, man.
2: So, I I saw an article that you wrote a while back with uh, several solutions and and one of which uh, you mentioned was the trivium and, and learning and that kind of thing. Uh, you, you've been focusing a lot on the solutions out there. Um, how do you not get burnt out with all the doom and gloom? How do you stay focused on actual initiatives to not just continue to uh, go along with all of our slavery, but actually stand up against it in a positive way?
1: Um, I don't. I, I really I see it as a challenge, and I I kind of see it as as this is why we're here on this planet in a lot of ways to to make sure that we leave a a decent world behind for our children and stuff and uh a lot of our culture just has us so far removed from that and just puts us in this kind of superficial realm where that isn't important where the only thing that is important is this kind of fake world that we're all consuming and and you know what I'm saying? Right. So I kind of see that as as something that you have to do as a human being. I mean, it's it's kind of hard to explain. I hope that I wasn't too rambly there.
2: No, I, I get you. There's um, so many different directions we can take this. Uh, I'm looking through some of your various articles, and a lot of these articles have been transcribed into the book, right?
1: Um, not, uh, some of them have, uh, I've done a preview here and there, but most of the stuff isn't in the book. The book is, uh, is more like research with like, um, quotes and sources and things like that, where most of the articles that I do for, uh, activist posts and Intel Hub and stuff, that's, uh, more like philosophical stuff. That's like a take on the, the recent things that people are talking about, not necessarily what's in the news, but, like, the issues that people are arguing about on social media and things like that, you know.
2: I really like this one here, the broken window fallacy in war and bailout propaganda. Uh, And you mentioned my buddies Jan Irvin and Larkin Rose uh, on some of the work they've done uh, and the broken window fallacy, which is interesting. Tell the listeners about that.
1: Um, that's actually something that I just recently uh, came across um, studying Austrian economics, which is also something that I'm pretty new to. Um, which I, I, I do think it's interesting, and um, I, I don't I, I don't totally just ally with everything the Austrians say, but um, I think as we are working towards solutions for the future. Um, we need to learn about how people interact with each other through trade and and what makes societies move and, and decentralize societies. And I think that's a lot of what the Austrians are trying to accomplish. So even if you don't agree with all of um, their stances on certain things, it's very important to kind of learn how economics works if we're going to build something else from the ground up entirely. Right. And um, the broken window fallacy is basically the idea where when people say that um, economic benefit comes from destruction, and um, the reason why it is a fallacy is because um, of something, it was an economist, his, his last name was Bastiat, I, I can't remember his first name off the top of my head. Um, but he came up with um, the broken window fallacy, and it was based on something called the seen and the unseen, and um, when somebody says that the economy does better because of war, um, they're focusing on what happened, and they're not considering the unmeasurable situation, with, what if there wasn't a war and that money was spent elsewhere on productive things that, that can't be measured.
2: Okay. Interesting stuff. we got to take a quick break, J.G., and then we'll be back with more. Don't go anywhere. Good vibes, promotion. Uh, that's J.G.'s music and promotion uh, organization. And uh, I was reading your bio in the first segment, J.G. Uh, you deal with conscious music and different, uh, you know, DJs and that kind of thing. And you somehow implement uh, the message into it all.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I usually do that, um, with the themes and the promotions leading up to the event. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to, to kind of put that into the night of the event. Aside from, I do have a lot of DJs that play conscious music and things like that. um, but a lot of it is in the promotion. Like, I've done shows that, um, have political-sounding names. I mean, I, I threw a party on 9-11 one year called Hidden Agenda, and there was some promo leading up to that. And I've done, um, free shows on Tax Day, uh, about and the Fed, and things like that. And, uh, sometimes I do, like, some funny tongue-in-cheek stuff, like, uh, I threw a party called uh, Business Hoes and CEOs, which was like a Wall Street bailout type thing. <laughs> and um, I, I sometimes I put underhanded things on the back of the flyers. It's not like real super in-your-face stuff. I kind of save that for my website. But it's just enough to kind of get people, like, interested and kind of, like, get them on that vibration. Because that's what propaganda does. You know what I mean? It's just kind of like... Mm-hmm. I consider there being like a war kind of between culture or a culture war between art and propaganda. You know what I'm saying? Like on one end, there's these people using art and culture for evil. And then there's other people out there who are using it for good. And a lot of the people that are taking in this culture on both ends don't even realize it.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's funny how that works. Um, the, the, the uh, sheeple, if you will, that have no idea what's going on. They're just yeah.
1: I mean, they'll just be, oh, it's just a movie or it's just yep. a TV show, and it's really not. There's, you know, a multinational corporation that's put, you know, sure. billions of dollars into that. That they were paid probably by the government or whatever, vice versa. And,
2: and don't forget about all message. the subliminals and all, all the, uh, you know, the appeals to emotion the trauma-based mind control that takes place, the list goes on and on.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um, I think it's important for people who are out there creating art to actually, I mean, have a message to it, because I really think that that's what art is about. I mean, it doesn't have to be my message that people are putting out there, but everybody has their own message. And, you know, instead of a lot of the garbage that we see out on the radio and stuff, I mean... There's a lot more that people can be doing with their art and expressing themselves and and putting a message out there that's important to people and means something to people.
2: All right. So you, you wanted to bring up uh, in reference to music in general the uh, rave scene and uh, some of the politics with that. Go ahead.
1: Um, yeah. Um, actually. The, the rave scene has been pretty much outlawed for, uh, I don't remember the exact date, but um, it was our boy Joe Biden uh, back when he was just, uh, uh, you know, an underling or senator or whatever they call him. Um, he actually hid um, this piece of legislation, like, into the Amber Alert bill. Are you familiar with the Amber Alert bill? Is
2: that where they have uh, missing children?
1: Exactly. So basically, he was trying to pass this law, which um, basically said if a rave gets busted, that the promoter or the club owner can go to jail under charges of running a crack house. And he had so much trouble. Yeah, this is a law. And he had so much trouble getting this passed that they slipped it into the Amber Alert bill because nobody's going to vote against that. It's like helping children that are kidnapped. So a part of the Amber Alert Bill is um, there's a clause saying that, um, you know, basically anybody who's running a rave is running a crack house. Well, It's called the Rave Act.
2: Yeah, and I know that uh, locally here they had to come after a lot of the different uh, nightclub uh, establishments because what was happening is they were staying open after closing time, as far as the booze are concerned. Yeah, uh, and they basically uh, came after the, this because people were staying in these clubs uh, till four or five in the morning. They couldn't drink, but the ecstasy and, and the drugs were running wild, uh, and they, you know, pushed to outlaw the ability for these establishments to stay open after. Uh, they stop serving alcohol. Of course, they want you to take the alcohol. Uh, Powers that it shouldn't be love people drinking alcohol, and
1: and then they love you getting on the road right afterwards right, and right. sitting at the bar for two hours to sober up.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that helps with their DUI revenue. Uh, so it's perfect for them. Problem, reaction, solution. Uh, let me ask okay. you this: uh, let, Let's talk about the drug culture, okay? Because I, I'm sure, like uh, many of our listeners. You're not a fan of this war on drugs?
1: No, absolutely not.
2: So tell me, being in the rave scene, do, do you see uh, the criminal culture that is created not because of the drugs into themselves, but because of them being illegal?
1: Oh yeah, I I see that that constantly, um, and I mean even even from looking at our society and the news, you can see that. I mean, the the rave scene is just kind of a, a microcosm of that. Uh, but w- when you outlaw any kind of item, it, it, it doesn't, like, poof, that item disappears from existence and is never seen again. I mean, that item is still going to be around, and people are still going to want it, and you're just going to criminalize the activity. And... Um, When you do that, I I really feel that it it destroys any concept of law and order. Because when you make all these arbitrary laws that really have nothing to do with anybody's safety or well-being, then the value of law and and morality and everything just goes down the toilet. Um, And it just becomes preferential rules that people have to follow. And... uh, you know, it it, it makes people more likely to break laws that actually should be laws, if that makes any sense. Right.
2: You know, it it only furthers the criminality, the true criminality, uh, violations of natural law. Exactly. You know, natural law is so important for people to understand. Many do not. But this goes uh, to show you that uh, these drug crimes... You know, there's no victim per se with the drugs themselves. You know, if you stay in your house, you don't go out, you don't do anything, and you just sit there and you take your heroin or whatever, it's not going to really bother society too much. Now, I have no doubt that people uh, are sick and have problems and addictions and this kind of thing, and if they can't get heroin, they put them on methadone, uh, which is just their drug. So it's, it's not okay to be on heroin, but it's okay to be on methadone,
1: heroin. Yeah, and it, it's okay to be on caffeine and fluoride and everything else.
2: Fluoride, sure. Aspartame, which is very addicting. Ugh, aspartame, that's one of the worst. Uh, the list goes on and on and on. When we come back here, we're talking with JG Vibes, if you're just tuning in. He's got a great website that you all need to check out. Uh, J.G., why don't you plug it, and then we'll take a quick break, and when we'll come back, we'll continue to talk more about uh, drugs, and we'll move on maybe to talk a little bit about entheogens and its role and everything that we talk about here on the show. Uh, And also we'll talk about gun laws, because that's another thing that they're coming after. Uh, And criminals are going to get guns, whether they're legal or not, because they're criminals. J.G., what's your say?
1: Uh, I agree with you 100%. Is the break coming up? Yeah, it is.
2: So we'll plug your sights uh, on the other side here because we're flat out of time for this segment. And we'll be right back. Go for it. Okay, the legalization argument aside there are some substances that you want to stay away from just like you want to stay away from it whether it's legal or not including and not excluding aspartame fluoride high fructose corn syrup the list goes on and on and on now you don't want to take heroin you don't want to kill your brain cells with drinking too much alcohol but maybe just maybe there's a place for certain plants, certain entheogens in our world. And maybe they're connected to various awakenings. JG, have you looked into the entheogens uh, and that kind of thing?
1: Uh, yeah, I, I have. Um, I, I, again, I would consider myself more of a student in that realm also, Um but, you know, I, from from the culture that I come from, I definitely have a lot of experience and I've definitely done a lot of research in that realm, you know.
2: Yeah, research, right.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> I've done some research uh, myself. Now, all kidding aside, uh, there's a connection here to... Expanding your mind, you know, that's kind of the the root here And that's that's what we talk about in general whether it's through the use of a substance or naturally through education and that kind of thing
1: Yeah, absolutely. There's many many avenues many roads to get there
2: now, I'm sure you've looked into the fact that uh, the various interests uh, within certain intelligence groups uh, use these entheogens for their own benefits uh, essentially making trauma-based mind control MK ultra slaves
1: yeah I've definitely done some research into that I covered that a little bit in my book also
2: did you cool cool what are some of the other things you've covered in your book
1: um, well uh, it kind of uh, starts out uh, discussing just kind of like laying out the terms and the philosophies and um, discussing what natural law is, discussing what the non-aggression principle is, um, just kind of laying out the definitions and um, establishing all that. And then I kind of get into, um, you know, some of the whole situation with the puppet masters and all that. And um, I question a lot of the philosophical concepts that we have, um, the idea of human nature That has kind of kept us in prison for I don't know how long.
2: Well, they want Um, us to be um, under the impression that our human nature is that we're all cutthroat, uh, that we're in the survival of the fittest, and I don't see it that way. What about you?
1: uh, I completely agree with you. I think that that's uh, just an excuse to control us, basically. And it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If people believe that their human nature is to be garbage, then they have an excuse to be garbage.
2: Exactly. I mean, I and and that's why like that. that's what they want us to think. They want us to think, oh, you guys can't behave. You're all a bunch of Neanderthals, barbarians. Uh, that's why you need the state. That's why you need the Leviathan. Uh, if we go back to Thomas Hobbes, you know, that's Hobbesian philosophy 101 right there. Uh, the idea that man is corrupt and we're we're living a, a life that's nasty, brutish, and short.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really unfortunate way of looking at things, you know. And, I mean, I I, I saw things like that for a good portion of my life. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it was probably some interactions with some plants and things that made me feel otherwise about it. And it was experiences that I had... Um, with other people who weren't really in the matrix, you know what I'm saying? Um, Well,
2: people get a false ego about themselves and and this notion of human nature that's not healthy, uh, when in reality, we should all just get along. And I know that sounds hippy-dippy and it's hard for people to wrap their heads around, but we aren't uh, in this necessary state of competition, and we don't need to be In this constant uh, fight for scarce or against scarcity rather Uh, there is an abundance uh, and certain interests have worked very hard to keep you uh, in that scarcity based mind control in order to manipulate you like you said
1: yeah I I would totally agree with that it's a good way of putting it
2: so interesting stuff yeah when you start talking about human nature I, I start to get excited
1: Oh. You know, I, that's one of the fundamental issues here. Like, that, that is one of the main things that is keeping us in this trap, because um, we think that we need, you know, mommy and daddy government to take care of us and that we're just a, a subspecies that doesn't know how to handle ourselves and doesn't know how to interact with each other. When I think that it, it's proven that we can interact with each other every day. I mean, I, I guarantee that most of the people out there listening in their day-to-day, they aren't violent with people. They don't steal from people on a regular basis. Um, they obey natural law for the most part when they interact with people. I mean, sure, there's people out there that don't do that, and our culture promotes um, disrespect for natural law. Uh, but, but that doesn't mean that that's our natural state. Uh, we're living in right now, unfortunately, no. but that that doesn't mean that, that natural law has changed at all. Natural law is still in existence while this madness is going on. Just those people are breaking natural law, and they'll have to pay for it some way or another. I'm not sure how, but, <laughs> you know.
2: Yeah, crazy stuff. Uh, how do you think they sleep at night, these scumbags? How do you think they deal with themselves? Do you think they just don't care?
1: I I think it's a little bit mixed. I think there's some of them that don't care. I think that some of them have these insane rationalizations for it. And I, I think a lot of them were probably severely emotionally abused as children. Right. And, and I mean, because if you think, I mean, the, these, these people that are in power, they come from families that are in power. And, and if... I I just can't imagine how these people would would interact in their own families with how how they treat everybody else, you know?
2: That's a good point. Uh, They're also victims. They've also been tortured and traumatized as children in their own families as a part of their culture.
1: Yeah, I really think that that has a lot to do with it. I think that they were bred up into a sick culture, and not even the culture that we have. I'm talking about the culture that they have, which is completely different. And even you or I, who study this stuff all the time, probably don't even know the half of it.
2: That's so true. Um, (laughs) These um, occult symbols and, and, and that kind of thing, something we've talked about often with Mark Passio, Freeman, and others, uh, have you looked into them? Or have you realized just how they're everywhere? I mean, you can't get away from them if you look at uh, all the major corporations and all the various uh, judicial buildings and so on.
1: Oh yeah, they're they're everywhere. Uh, my my last job, I had to work in D.C. sometimes and. I would just, I couldn't. Be- I had to walk into some of these places to hook up sound and things like that, and I just couldn't believe some of the stuff that I was looking at. Like that was just carved into stone right in the front of these buildings. You know what I'm saying? Wow. Um, I, I'm definitely uh, Mark Passio, is somebody that I've been following a lot and learning a lot from him about the, the symbolism and things like that. That's a that's a subject yeah. that's relatively new to me. I mean, for a while I knew about the whole you know, the dollar thing, a lot of corporation symbols. But, I mean, Mark Tassio, he goes really, really deep into stuff. Oh, yeah, I mean, good I'll,
2: guy. I'm, good friend of the show here.
1: Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you're checking out him.
2: his work. Fascinating stuff. All right, J.G., hold that thought, brother. We'll come back in just a moment with more. Don't go anywhere. It's the bottom. So those just tuning in, we're joined by J.G. Vibes. He's got a new book out that I urge you all to check out. It's, uh something that I have yet to read, but I'm uh, getting more and more enticed to do so here as we talk about what's in it. It's, uh, the name of it is Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance. There it is. And the website A, as an Apple, O-T-M-R.com. A-O-T-M-R.com. There you go. Uh, I guess that sounds for Alchemy of the modern renaissance it's an acronym i love acronyms <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: how were you able to get that website that's a pretty good domain
1: uh the acronym for my book was available and it was so i got lucky
2: <laughs> yeah and i i've gone to the website there's a, a wealth of information there you've stocked up on all sorts of links uh you have anything from tips on parenting in a nonviolent way <laughs> I checked that out. I'm expecting my first child. I don't know if you heard.
1: Oh, uh, no. Well, congratulations, man. Yeah, That's I appreciate
2: awesome. it. I, I'm excited and we're going about it in a natural way, you know. We're trying to do all sorts of natural home birth sort of things and you know, I'm interested in in this um, information that you had I, I ran across and where where did I find it here?
1: It's in the solutions section. I have a Solutions.
2: Section. There it is, yeah. Uh, There we go, uh, volunteerism, the trivium, nonviolent communication, peaceful parenting, that's the one that intrigued me, peaceful parenting, organic gardening and nutritional medicine, homeschooling and unschooling, another fascinating topic, Austrian economics, which we touched on, free energy, so important. I mean, the free energy thing needs to be talked about on a regular basis because if we really want to take a stab at the power structure, we got to look at their energy.
1: That's it. Yeah, that's the big thing. That's I, that's what they they totally control us physically with. If we had the ability to make our own energy, then we're independent.
2: Well, and they know this, and that's why uh, they suppressed it. You know, that's that's the main reason why... Uh, We haven't been able able to move beyond. Uh, They've tried to enforce artificial scarcity in so many different respects. You also have under your solutions here shamanism, which I think uh, ties in, if I'm not mistaken, to our talk about infeogens and that kind of thing, and uh, voluntary taxation. Uh, And speaking of voluntary taxation, it was tax day yesterday, two days late because it was on a Sunday. And I heard something, that $3 million each year is paid to the IRS as just a gift, as an an overtax. You know, you had to pay a couple thousand dollars uh, on your taxes. Well, here's an extra five grand just for being our great nanny state.
1: <laughs> exactly.
2: <laughs> I mean, who does that? Do you know anybody, and this is a challenge for our listeners, do you know anybody that actually pays more on their taxes, let alone is stupid enough or, uh, no, I was about to call people stupid. Uh,
1: anyways, go ahead <laughs> I understand where you're coming from totally, man. because I, I mean I, yeah, uh, that's that comes back to the whole natural law situation that right. I was talking about earlier, uh, because I mean even though that you know people who believe that there are these benefits from taxation. It's fundamentally a violation of natural law because if, if I don't pay my taxes, you know, they send me letters and eventually they come to my house and knock on my door and they come and put me in a cage and if I defend myself, then they kill me. And that would definitely be a violation of natural law because if I'm well, just not sitting only that. in my house...
2: I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Oh, no, I'm just saying if I'm just sitting in my house right. not bothering anybody... why why do I have to um, deal with anything that might get me put in a cage?
2: Well, that's exactly right. Uh, And it's not only that, it's the idea that, in reference to natural law and taxation, it's the idea that somehow they have a right to take our labor, which is our our soul, our our blood and guts, if you will, uh, and say that they have some sort of ownership of our sovereign labor. That's why it's, uh, it's not only illegal, but it's unethical. It's immoral.
1: I, I totally agree. And, um, I mean, that, that's kind of why I put the whole voluntary taxation thing out there, because a lot of people think that, oh, well, if, if you're against taxation, then you're against all of these, these programs that I like that I, I think taxation is the only way to handle. And that's kind of the stance that people have when you say anything bad about taxation. Um, So I I, kind of put some ideas together, and I'm definitely not the first one to to discuss this. I mean, a lot of people have. um, And I I, I think that, I mean, I said in some of the articles that the charity that people give, even in today's, like, subpar charity situation, and the reason why we have a subpar charity situation is because of all, all the taxation, But even with the subpar charity situation that we have today, more money still gets to the people that it's supposed to get to than the government because there's all this overhead. I read somewhere that 70% um, of the money that comes into the IRS is all overhead. 30% of it goes out to whatever. Well, I mean, not even the IRS because the IRS is just all the debt, isn't it?
2: Well, that's that's the question I have. How much of that money just goes to pay the national debt?
1: Yeah, no, nah, you're you're completely right. Now maybe it is the is like the other taxes that don't go through the IRS. I have it laid out in the article specifically. Sorry on the spot. I, uh, <laughs> well,
2: it, that's interesting because I guess not all taxes go through the IRS.
1: That, that's what I'm kind of wondering, too, dude, like property taxes and
2: things like that. Do that go through the IRS? I I don't know, I, to be honest. I never paid property tax, but... Um, and and sales tax, for that matter, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Kind well, we'll have fair, to have somebody who, who knows more about taxes. In fact, I, I go to breakfast with somebody every Friday. He knows a lot about this subject, went to jail because of it. Uh, you don't want to tell anybody too much because they will put you in jail and they've come after people like... Uh, None other than Schultz, Erwin uh, or excuse me, not Schultz, Irwin Schiff. Uh, and and others. Larkin
1: Rose, he just got out, didn't he? Yeah,
2: Larkin Rose was put away. Uh, we had him on the uh, podcast series. i got to get him back on the show, too. I've been meaning awesome, to invite man. him back. He, he does have a lot of great stuff. Uh, I'm a big fan of his work.
1: He must have done a lot of thinking, man, because he just blows my mind with some of the stuff that he says.
2: Yeah, a lot of people know him from the Tiny Dot on YouTube. That, that video went fairly viral. Uh, good stuff. All right, uh, J.G., we got another hour to go. We're wrapping up things for this hour. Uh, and when we come back, we'll continue our discussion, see where it takes us. We'll perhaps get into some news and uh, maybe take some callers at 866-841-1065. That's toll-free, 841 1065 Standby Alrighty, Hour number two Still to come On the Bob Tuscan show Thanks for tuning in I'm enjoying our chat With J.G. Vibes Check out his new book When you get a chance Alchemy of the Modern Renaissance At his website AOTMR.com Good Vibes Promotions Promotions company Uh, We're going to talk about the number of different things that we have yet to mention, uh, and get some calls, as I said, 866-841-1065. If you would like to email me, of course, it's bobtuskin at theintelhub.com, T-U-S-K-I-N, bobtuskin at theintelhub.com. We'll be back with more in hour number two. Don't go anywhere. Stand by. Hour number two of the Bob Tuskin Show. Welcome back continue our conversation with J.G. Vibes, and uh, some of the things we discussed last hour, natural law, taxes, we were just talking a little bit about taxes, we talked about drugs and the drug culture and the rave scene, and so much more, all on our archives, if you missed any of it, just go to the website, BobTuskin.com. In February, you wrote an article about why pacifists should support private gun ownership. Uh, And uh, with all the the polarization taking place in regards to the Trayvon Martin case, and them coming after the right to bear arms and uh, the stand your ground law. We had a show about that last night. I don't know if you caught it. Um, I think it's interesting to bring this uh, article up that you wrote. Tell us more about it, and if you can, uh, try to bring it uh, up to date here with some contemporary issues.
1: Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, this was, uh, I wrote that originally before all this started, and um, It was basically because there was just a lot of misunderstanding, I feel, among people who just are generally pacifists like myself, but they just think that if you outlaw guns, again, like I said with the drugs, like when you outlaw something, it's not like poof, it disappears and goes away. It, It just unequalizes the situation where if you outlaw guns, as many people have said, only the outlaws have guns. And, um... With this uh, situation in Florida, I mean, I haven't been following it too, too closely, but from what I understand, um, this shooter's father was involved in the judicial system. He was a magistrate or something, is that correct?
2: that's what he is.
1: Um, And everybody's shying away from that issue and trying to focus on the whole race thing. And I I just think that's obviously a a red herring and it's obviously trying to divide people because the real issue here is preferential treatment for people who are attached to government in any way. I mean, that's how I see it. Maybe that's just because of my bias a little bit, but when I look at this story, I don't see a white guy and a black guy. I see one guy who's connected to government, who... um, definitely did something he shouldn't have done and is trying to use his position um, to basically twist the laws around and things like that in his favor and it's really putting a bad light on anybody who wants to carry a gun, it's putting a bad light on anybody who wants to hire private security for anything, you know, and I definitely don't think that that's the right direction, I think that's definitely the wrong direction.
2: Yeah. Well, speaking of cronyism, this uh, service Secret Service story continues to uh, be uh, brought forth by the mainstream media. Secret Service scandal raises questions of macho culture and women agents. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, it's just another uh, ploy here to divide people. They're they're saying, oh, this is about gender roles. <laughs> Another divine and conquer, just like with the Trayvon Martin. This is about race. You know, make it about race, uh, our gender, anything that can divide us and distract us from the reality of the situation. Oh, yeah, and uh, Dick Clark passed away. So everybody's going to be talking about that. We need to
1: spend the next hour on that. We should.
2: We'll do that when we get back from this break. We'll be nothing but Dick Clark here on the Box Tustin Show. According to the Los Angeles Times, 18 photographs leaked to them by a soldier serving uh, in the 82nd Airborne in the province of Zabal, neighbouring where I'm standing here in Pactica. Uh, two of these have been published uh, not so long ago, one of which are particularly gruesome, showing some soldiers holding the disembodied legs of a man who apparently was a suicide bomber, and the other showing rather ghoulishly a hand of a dead insurgent placed on the so- uh, shoulder of of another soldier. The L.A. Times go on to say they think about seven soldiers are pictured in those, one of whom is still serving in Afghanistan, all of whom may have lost colleagues to suicide bombers or other kinds of insurgent explosive device. Uh, the Metagon, of course, according to the L.A. Times, has asked them not to publish these pictures, suggesting they may cause uh, potential provocation against ISAF forces here. But Oh, well, uh, that's a great excuse to publish it, then. I mean, isn't that what they want at the end of the day? I mean, they're saying, "Oh no, don't don't publish the photos, uh, you you crazy press." And they're saying, "Oh well, we're independent. We're we're the media. It's our job. We we won't report anything else. But oh, this we got to report. Uh, we got to be fair here." Uh, and the reality of the situation is that this just feeds in to the provocateur style. Campaign that uh, they've been doing from day one with all of these different False flags if you will. I see this as a false flag. I see this as a propaganda piece To generate hate that may not legitimately be there because they know That that's the only way they're going to be able to continue to play the Hegelian dialectic card oh,
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a possibility um, it, this I, I just came across recently, but I definitely think that's a possibility. I don't know and if we certain
2: with I each of these cases, but it's interesting to see how that works.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is, uh came up multiple times, and, uh, you know, this is just the latest.
2: Supposedly, the U.S. is due to hand over control of the country to Afghan forces in 2014.
1: Is that, is that what they're saying now?
2: That's the, the latest the greatest. How long have it, it, you been we been in Afghanistan? What is it, the 11th year?
1: Yeah. Wow. And weren't we supposed to leave Iraq like two years ago or something like that? Isn't is, so. that supposed to? Huh?
2: I thought that's what they said, and I, I thought we were out of Iraq, but I don't think we are.
1: I don't think we are either. I mean, I know we definitely still have have private mercenaries over there, but I think we also have public mercenaries over there, too.
2: And a whole bunch of depleted uranium.
1: Exactly.
2: What do you think Iraq and all these wars are really about? This is Uh, a a philosophical discussion, because at the end of the day, resources, eh, you know, maybe there's some symbols and, excuse me, not symbols, but artifacts in these countries, or maybe there's some sort of strategy in uh, occupying these places for the sake of uh, the location unto itself I don't know what what's your take why, why is it that uh, we see such a push for war
1: uh, well I think there's a couple reasons I, I, I mean I, I think what we're seeing right now is is kind of a, um, a cold war on the China front uh, we're kind of having these conflicts in other countries where the where where China wants resources and where we want resources. I hate to say we, where our government wants resources. Sorry, slave speak slips in there sometimes. But um, anyway, I also think that um, overall, just just them being at war, it doesn't matter where at, it doesn't matter who with, but just them being at war, Uh, makes them more powerful it gives them more control over us it gives them excuses to do basically anything that they want to do so just being at war at any time or another is a great benefit to them just in addition to all the resources that they're fighting over
2: good point yeah it's it's also a place uh, to deal with uh, hmm, the useless eaters you know why not send a bunch of them out to war and use them as guinea pigs, shoot them up with a bunch of vaccines, uh, oh, treat yeah. them like uh, dogs, you know. I, I ran into some, some military, uh, active military walking around here. And it's, it's funny because I'm not in a military town. So when you see these guys in full uniform walking around, uh, you wonder what what's going on. Uh, and I said to them, they, they asked me, I was walking my dog. They said, oh, what kind of dog is that? I said, oh, it's a mutt, you know, ba, 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 just being friendly. Uh, and I said to them, Well, speaking of dogs, do you have any idea why they call it a dog tag? (laughs) And he looked at me and he says, oh, that's a Marine thing. I said, yeah, 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 it's a Marine thing. But any clue as to why they refer to it as a dog tag? And he says, well, maybe it's because the Marines are ferocious. And I said, ah, maybe. That sounds about right. Or, Or maybe it's because... The, uh, the uh, criminal elite scumbags, or supposed elite scumbags, the powers that shouldn't be, consider you to be a dog and a pawn in their foreign affairs. And the guy looked at me. I swear <laughs> to God I said this to him. <laughs> this awesome. is, these are two big guys in full uniform.
1: High five, dude, for well, that. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm an
2: idiot. I, pe- my whole life people have told me, Bob, I can't believe you haven't been beat up. I can't believe you haven't said something to the wrong guy and just got your ass beat. <laughs> but uh, I have yet to be been beat up, tased, or any of the above with all of my various confrontations, whether it's Giuliani, Penn and Teller, or whoever. Uh, I digress. And, and they looked at me, though, and, and they actually said, well, you know what? You might be right. So here, yeah. every, here's everyone's <laughs> thinking that these guys are probably going to, you know, tell me, yeah, yeah, shut up, or, or try to beat me up, or whatever. Uh, But they actually said, yeah, you know what, I never thought of that before. That might be the case. And I used it as an opportunity to tell them about Mark Passio's work uh, and the presentation he gave about the police and military being mocked by the occult, uh, which was just fascinating. And all the symbols. I said, yeah, there's a lot of symbolism. Uh, And long story short, I don't think I sold them on it completely, but they were at least receptive to the ideas. And, And it reminds me, that we don't, we don't have to see uh, just a uniform or just a, a label when we're talking to each individual and to themselves. We can never generalize any group, any uh, culture, any job or position. We always need to look at each individual, and you, you will never know who might be receptive, who might actually wake up, who might actually be uh, on our side. You know, at the end of the day, Here's the question, um, and and I'll pose this uh, to you, J.G. Is the military going to actually uphold their oath to the Constitution and all that good stuff uh, and protect ourselves against orders from the criminals that uh, they don't need to take, that are unlawful, unethical, unmoral?
1: Well, uh, what you just told me kind of gives me a little bit more hope, you know what I'm saying? I mean, if there's people out there that that we can come in contact with, and I mean, I come in contact with plenty of people who are either veterans or or still, you know, in there.
2: They're Uh, in the truth movement. uh, Popeye was in the Coast Guard from Federal Jack. Joe Joseph was in the military. A lot of people want to poo poo them and say that that somehow is uh, going to discredit them, but the reality is, no. Uh, they woke up just like anybody else, and they were well, just. William
1: Cooper, he was one William of the first, and good he point.
2: was Yep, and then I, I know many people who listen to the show or are in the military actively. Uh, I get messages from them. There's uh, Lawers who's one of our regular listeners. Uh, behind the scenes here, there's folks that I talk to. Anyways, I digress. We'll be back with another segment. Don't go anywhere. J.J., I want to talk more about your book and discuss some of the various elements of it uh, that we have yet to mention. Tell listeners more. What was that? I want to hear about your book.
1: All right, no, well... Whatever, um,
2: whatever we haven't discussed. I,
1: all right, well, it, it goes into a lot of different things, but um, it gives, uh, you know, a couple pages of background information on, on different topics, and it gives a whole list of sources for each section on what people can look into. And I, I was really careful um, to try to put the most legitimate stuff I could find in there because um, what I, I, I want people to do is when they finish reading the book um, like, and they want to read other things, they get bored, just flip through to the sources on something that they were curious about or had a question with or disagreed with and look up the source themselves. Go get that book themselves and do the research that I did and see how they feel about it. You know what I'm saying? Because with this, is I just kind of consider this my research project. You know what I'm saying? And I document all the sources. So everyone
2: that. needs to be an autodidact.
1: Yeah, exactly. And it's that's kind of so what important. I am encouraging people to do, you know? And, um, you know, I go into the banking and the psychological warfare and... uh I kind of blow apart the left-right paradigm. I talk about newspeak, the war on drugs, um, the medical situation. And um, I kind of get out there into the beyond the five senses a little bit, but not too much. Just uh, I talk about synchronicity. Um, I talk about DMT and um, things like that. Um, <laughs> uh, I talk about psychopathy. Uh, Yeah,
2: let's discuss that for a moment, because that seems to be a hot topic. Uh, There's a number of interviews that I've heard recently. Uh, One was on, uh, I think, Coast to Coast and Red Ice and all those shows. Um, And uh, it's interesting to study the mentality of these people, because just because you and I can't empathize and can't relate to this sickness, this psychopathy, uh, doesn't mean that it doesn't exist and that we shouldn't understand it.
1: Oh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it definitely exists, and it's definitely one of the main problems that we're experiencing. I mean, I, I was kind of drawn to uh, write about it because um, I'm sure that you've heard it a million times before, and the research that, that we kind of um, are into, uh, it gets you called crazy a lot. It gets you, you know, associated with any kind of, like, mental instability and um, I, I kind of argue that, like, it's really the other way around. And the, the title of the uh, chapter on psychopathy is uh, Who Are You Calling Crazy? I like and, that. <laughs> and it, it kind of uh, says, well, you know, are you calling people like, you know, Gandhi, Bob Marley, John Lennon, Malcolm X? Those people were all totally crazy in their time. They were nuts. Everybody thought that they were lunatics who were just going to destroy society and um, I kind of look at the lunatics that actually are destroying um, society and kind of lay out what is a psychopath what is crazy and I, I kind of define that as you need to look at somebody's actions to, to see if they're crazy are, are they affecting people around them in a negative way uh, if not then they're not crazy. Uh, You know, if if, if people are hurting people around them and they have no empathy, then there's a pretty good chance you're dealing with somebody who's crazy. And that's all that we experience from these governments and institutions and corporations. Yeah, and
2: another characteristic of this, which is compelling, is that oftentimes they pretend and they hide behind the guys that they're somehow, you know... Uh, the old saying, a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're somehow a good guy. And they'll masonically trick you and uh, do good, just enough good to screw you.
1: Yeah, exactly. They always hide behind that, that false legitimacy uh, that, you know, they're apparently providing some kind of... There's always some kind of, like, the means to an end, you know, like, this... This violence that I'm doing is justified because if I wasn't committing this violence, then there would just be death and destruction everywhere, (laughs) is kind of what they put forward. And and I just see that as a false rationalization uh, for the violence that they're committing. And the sad thing about it is these people are in power acting like psychopaths, so naturally, all the people that are out there that, that don't really fully understand this because they were they were put into these indoctrination centers, they look at these people in power and they emulate these people in power and they mimic these people in power. And that's why we have like somewhat of a psychopath or a psychotic society, sorry.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, so it's good that you get into that topic in your book. Uh, What else did I want to touch on that you just brought up as far as your topics go? We're going to open up the phone lines in the next segment, by the way. Uh, So get ready for that. If you want to get on the line, you can. 866-841-1065. That's the troll free number. Get out your crayon. Write that down. Uh, It's 866-841-1065. We're talking with JG Vibes. I like that name. How would you get that name? Is that uh, something you got from your company?
1: Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, I I really, I wanted to do a pen name, you know. I wasn't really too into putting the government name on stuff, even though they probably already know know. who I am. (laughs) But uh, my first name is John, and my company is Good Vibes. So I just, you know, I figured I'd go with that.
2: (laughs) That works, that works for me. Uh, J.G. Vibes, just the name has this um, mystique behind it. People are saying, oh, I hear you got this guy J.G. Vibes coming on (laughs) everybody wants to know what, what, you, what you're like, uh, what your story is. Uh, in fact, Rob and Freeland, the guys in the morning, I called in uh, to chat with them. I don't know if you got a chance to check out their show. It's, it just started uh, here on the uh, Oracle Broadcasting Network, and uh, they were excited about the show today, so...
1: Well, that's exciting to hear, man. That really is. I just just started really sharing my stuff with people a couple months ago, so it's exciting to get good feedback and stuff.
2: So how long have you been publishing your articles? Only a couple months?
1: Uh, My first article was published through Activist Post in October, right around Halloween. I feel
2: like you've been doing this for a lot longer. I feel like I've been seeing your stuff for a lot longer, but it's funny how time flies.
1: I've been, I've been posting on Tragedy and Hope for a while, because anybody can just go on there and post stuff. Oh, uh, really I see. Maybe that's office. where
2: I first came across you.
1: Yeah, because anybody, anybody that's out there listening, I mean, that's a good place to get your work out if you can't, like, really get published anywhere. I, wa- I wasn't able to get published anywhere until about October.
2: Interesting. Well, we're going to change uh, over to our nothing but Dick Clark Memorial, uh, Madonna, Janet Jackson and Katie Couric uh, all have memorialized uh, the great, late Dick Clark. Uh, Madonna and Tim, of course, go way back. He was one of her handlers, uh, as she was the prostitute for the New World Order at some point. Uh, and I, I'm not saying this in a derogatory way at all. The fact of the matter is, we know all the symbolism and occult uh, aspects of this. Didn't uh, Dick Clark have a stroke? years ago too
1: that's possible I might have missed that one
2: I don't know I don't pay attention but that's uh, going to be something talked about for the next couple months uh, maybe not maybe it's not as compelling as a Anna Nicole Smith I, th- I think they're
1: going to be talking about it for the next couple of months I mean look, look uh, at all the important stuff that they got
2: over he's not Whitney Houston I, I doubt he. Died. I mean they like the drug overdose they don't like the guy dying who's old although they spent a lot of time on Reagan's like
1: they did they did
2: alright quick break and we'll be back with some of your phone calls on the other side Shows, flea markets, fairs, outreach and more Earn extra money, promote freedom and spread the word Need custom stickers, labels or decals for your organization or business? Liberty Stickers makes them Go to libertystickers.com to order or Call 877-873-9626 Libertystickers.com The world's most dangerous stickers I dreamt last night at the end of the call. I was searching everywhere for food but there was none Lying burned in the midst of
1: nowhere sun. No, it to run it's I went to the city, but the city was gone.
2: Radiated with great shape and destroyed by a bomb. 866 841 1065. The trophy number to join us. We're talking with JG Vyse on a number of different topics. Uh, so anything's up for discussion, just dial us. Toll-free, 866-841-1065. I see this uh, New York Post headline from 9-11. Bush knew the president was warned of possible hijacking before terror attacks. You think? I guess okay. this was in, in the New York Post. Uh, when was this? Shortly after 9-11. Uh, and speaking of 9-11, J.G., next week... Uh, We have teamed up with Remember Building 7 and NYC CAN and that group. Um, Manny Badillo has been helping me behind the scenes here. And uh, we were able to book a number of different contributors from uh, Tony Sambosi, one of the architects and engineers that was featured on the Geraldo Rivera show, uh, when Geraldo actually covered Building 7 and the Building 7 campaign, to you name it uh, tons of great guests next week coming on all week long from the remember building seven campaign which i wholeheartedly support I, I think in regards to 9-11 i mean people can't get all the answers but if we at least show people the footage of building seven that should light some uh, light bulbs
1: yeah i, I agree with you 100 percent. i mean as i've said in some of my writings like uh the the whole the fact that all the commissioners, and, and including John Farmer, who came forward and wrote a book saying that the whole commission was a farce, I mean that just shows that a, a kangaroo court presided over the crime of the century. So, why are we not re-investigating it? You
2: know. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> anyways. I'm being distracted here from this show. This is part of the problem doing a show on the Internet. I have 15 different tabs open, different <laughs> chats going. Jeez, I'm, I'm lucky I can uh, put together a sentence half the time. Uh, where would you like to go? I, I don't see any callers at the moment, uh, so we still have open lines if you would like to get on the board. Uh, where would you like to go, J.G.? I'll, I'll let you pick it up with anything you like.
1: Um, I guess... Um you know, we can talk about uh, some of uh, the artistic activism. I guess we haven't really touched on that, yeah, let's too, do that. too much. Um, th- that's something as I was talking about earlier about how I think that there's um, like a silent and uh, like mental war going on between between uh, art and propaganda, and um, and propaganda is what results in physical harm in people, in my definition. And art would be something that tries to prevent that physical harm from happening. And, um, you know, what what you do is really great, you know, on the radio and stuff. um, But when people get into this, a lot of people think that their only options are to write or do a podcast. And, you know, some people, you know, don't want to sit down and write. Some people feel awkward on the radio or they, they don't have the... money for expensive video editing equipment to make documentaries um but you know maybe they have a garage band or maybe they can draw really well or maybe they're okay with some internet graphics or you know really anything i mean there's a lot of people or there's a lot of things that people love to do um that they can actually turn into a method of activism and uh that's something that I never really realized before, but when I started getting more and more into this research, like I, I would sit back and I would like, I'd listen to like Bob Marley or something, and I always knew Bob Marley doesn't like the government, but it's a little bit different when you when he starts saying specific. Like I can't call, like um, one of the things I, I put in my book in one of the ch- chapters about uh, hidden history was a quote from Bob Marley. Uh, I don't think he wrote it. I think it was one of the other members of the group, but he sang it. It was uh, 2,000 years of history could not be wiped away so easily. You know what I'm saying? Like, things like that. And in the movie The Matrix or, or Fight Club, most people would look at that and maybe they'll see that it's an allegory about the government or corporations, but, like, there are some, like, specific lines that are said and, like, A lot of these uh, movies, they allude to um, books and activists and things that happened really in history where if you're watching it without that background knowledge, it just goes right over your head. But if you have that background knowledge, you'll realize that the people that made that art are trying to send a message to people. And maybe they can't be that in-your-face about it because they depend on funding or they... They, they want to get in the theater, they want to get on the radio, you know. But then you got people like Immortal Technique out there who, who drops all the names, you know, throws it all down, and there's really no reading in between the lines there. So, I mean, there's right. just a lot of things that people can do with the things that they have fun with and the things that they love to do um, and, while still being involved in activism.
2: Somebody in the chat room says, I have no talents. What would you say to them?
1: Um, blow up your Facebook. <laughs> I mean, right? I, I see people doing that all the time. Create a pseudonym and a fake Facebook account and just add a bunch of people and send it out. Even if you don't have talents for video editing, if you stay up on this stuff and just put it out there. and And the personal solutions are important, too. You know, if, if if you're not on the artist level or on the radio level, um, you could be getting involved with your community, finding places to grow food, learning how to grow food. Um, you know, there's a lot of personal and community solutions um, that are really important. Uh, like I said, there's a lot of different roads that we all got to we all got to take a whole bunch of different roads to get to freedom, and we all got to work together and do each our own thing. And to anybody out there who thinks they don't have talent, I I think that everybody's got some kind of talent. they just got to find it, you know?
2: Yeah. Well, you don't necessarily need talent in many respects. Uh, You just have to do something. Just don't be apathetic. Uh, And at the end of the day, even if it's just protecting yourself and your family, that's a major step.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Because if everyone protected themselves and their family... It would have a lot better of a world. Uh, you mentioned growing a garden and, and those sorts of solutions. Uh, are you into preparedness and that kind of thing as well?
1: I'm starting to get into it more and more so now. Um, in the past year, I've moved out to a more rural area. I, I used to live in like a cluttered kind of apartment building and stuff, but uh, we moved out with my wife's family now. Um, so now I have an opportunity to actually do things like that. <laughs>
2: Very cool. That must be exciting. Um, I I hope you're not one of those doomsday preppers, JG. Uh, you know what they say about the doomsday preppers. They might be uh, a terrorist. Yeah.
1: <laughs> no, I I'm, I'm I'm not really prepping for doomsday. I I think that we're already in doomsday. <laughs> I'm prepping for like you know freedom.
2: <laughs> freedom day.
1: Yeah. A exactly. freedom
2: day prepper. I like that.
1: Because, I mean, the way I see it is, I mean, I, I see the collapse that is probably inevitably coming as the beginning of freedom. And, I mean, that's what I was kind of saying in one of my recent articles. Interesting, like, yeah.
2: I, a lot of people just want to get it over with. you know. The, and the longer we wait, the harder it's going to be on us. The more difficult the transition, the paradigm shift will be.
1: That, like any addiction, and we definitely have an addiction to this culture, and like any addiction the sooner that you get away from it the better
2: <laughs> absolutely we're going to take some phone calls here in just a second uh 866-841-1065 is our toll-free number that's 866-841-1065 uh jg your website one more time it's a-o-t-m-r did i get it right
1: yeah, aotmr.com and uh, my publisher is at uh, leela.org if, uh, you know, they need cool. more help. Cool. So where can they find
2: the book? That was book. my next question.
1: Um, the book is all over my website and on my publisher's website mm-hmm. and at amazon.com, uh, barnesnoble.com. And uh, pretty much you could go into any bookstore and order it and they'll have it for you in like a week and they'll call you or whatever.
2: That's so cool.
1: Yeah, my my publisher has really, really helped me out and really, he's an independent publisher and he's really put a lot of time into to help me make this a success, so hopefully, you know, everything works out.
2: <laughs> That's awesome, man. I wish you the best of luck. Have you gotten some good responses from it?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, like, the first people that ordered it are now just starting to get it and get through it, and I'm getting a lot of good feedback. People are really happy that uh, about how I source things because, you know, they can kind of take their own notes and and do their own research and and that's right. really that makes me happy because that was what i intended you know i was awesome yeah
2: Pe- people really need, do need to be an autodidact all right we'll come back with our final segment tonight and your phone call stay on the line or call in eight six six eight four one ten sixty five. i will uh, wrap things up here with the uh, jg uh, let's take a look ahead tomorrow night on the bob tuskin show well, I, I don't want to tell you. It'll, it'll, it will be a, a pleasant surprise, though. I, I guarantee it. And then, of course, Friday night, we have Scott Bug, per usual, talking about earth changes and that kind of thing. And then next week, as I mentioned in the last segment, uh, we have a number of different guests coming on from Remember Building 7, the Remember Building 7 campaign, and NYC Can. This should be good. I'm, I'm looking forward to these. Interviews uh, Manny Badillo, I, I have to thank him. Of course, he's one of the longtime 9/11 truth activists, and uh, he lost his uncle on that dreadful day. So tough stuff. Uh, 9/11 for many JG was was their major wake up moment. You know, it's like it's like I always say: if if they could pull off such evil and right in front of your face, and just deceive so many people about something like this. What else is going on? And, and that what else or what if uh, never stops uh, all the way down uh, with your trip down the rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, totally. And I, I just want to mention that was awesome with you going after Giuliani a couple weeks ago. Anybody mm-hmm. out there who hasn't seen that should check that
2: out. Well, you know, Giuliani has since uh, gone on all these news channels. And he is such a warmonger. He's pushing for the war in Iran now. You know, saying that we they have to do it at all
1: costs. It seems that that's across the board.
2: What do you think is going to happen with this conflict in Iran? Do you think we'll see more Mossad false flag terrorism, or do you think they're just so ballsy they're going to do it irregardless?
1: Like, right now, it's so crazy because they keep every couple months, they're, it's going to happen today. You know, I, th- I saw another thing two days right. ago, like, the, the ships are on their way. I, I, I see every month there's this report, you know, um, warplanes getting on carrier crews, and uh, and it amounts to nothing. Um, but I we do see the same escalation that we saw prior to Iraq, which makes me think that it's going to happen.
2: Well, they incrementally Monday. do it, and they kind of condition you, you know, they... They push forward and then they pull back and push forward and pull back. It just slowly, incrementally bringing you into this uh, inevitability, uh, which is another conflict. And, of course, you, you mentioned the ships. The USS Enterprise, I think, is very prone for an attack. There was a story from the Iranian press about the possibilities that it was just an open target. I'm a little skeptical here. About the USS Enterprise Keep your eyes on that Will that be the new USS Liberty Sort of false flag attack That the people have been Waiting for I don't know Uh, It's a good question
1: Yeah that'll definitely Be something good To keep an eye on
2: Alrighty JG Vibes Uh, We'll have to keep you In the loop Like I said And uh, again Check out his book Uh, It's just been published And uh, I'm going to have To get a copy myself I'll have to
0: Okay, welcome back everyone. Now that we have reached the end of the podcast, um, I'm going to share some news relevant to the counterculture and give some commentary from a volunteerist perspective. Before we get into the news though, I wanted to mention some events coming up for this month for those of you who are located on the East Coast. I have two speaking appearances in August, both of which will be at music festivals and will be set up in an open source format where audience members will have the freedom to interrupt and participate with the conversation whenever the desire should strike them. The first weekend in August, I will be at the Elysium Festival in Parkton, Maryland, and the second weekend in August, I'll be at the Big Dub Candy Mountain Festival in Artemis, Pennsylvania. At last year's Big Dub Festival, we tested out the discussion format that I'll be using this summer, and it really worked out quite well, so I hope to see some of you guys out there and hope to hear some of your thoughts on what's going on in the world and the nature of reality. Okay, the first article uh, that we're going to go over you can check out at aotmr.com. It is, Golden Voice threatens to move Coachella and Stagecoast music festivals from Indio. And um, these are some of the biggest music festivals in the country. And basically, the town saw that they were making a decent amount of money and tried to throw this massive tax specifically on the festival for no apparent reason. Um, The article says that um, the tax would be transferred over to uh, an additional $36 per ticket, which would obviously uh, be handed over to the festival goers. Um, that, that's who us who would be getting screwed in the long run. Um, and it would be a total of between 4 and $6 million. Um, it wouldn't be a much of a big deal for them to leave and go somewhere else, but this just kind of shows you the insanity of bureaucracy how they feel like they are entitled to everything um and we all know that that money will go nowhere good it will just fill bureaucratic budgets and get funneled back into the machine of war and oppression and we really don't want to be giving them any more ammo um So, uh, luckily, uh, after threatening to move, uh, the town did back down and they canceled the tax measure. Uh, But, we can see this happening all over the place. Uh, From someone who throws small events, I definitely can understand the kind of frustration dealing with all this red tape and nonsense. Um, This is why we don't have big events like they have overseas. because. It's just too difficult to make it happen. Um, And if you want to check out more, that's, uh, uh, again, up at aotmr.com. Another recent story is, Former government advisor says psychedelic drugs can unlock mysteries of the brain. And, um... This is just a part of a growing trend that we're seeing with um, psychedelic drugs finally getting the credit um, that they deserve in mainstream scientific circles. Um, As I discussed in my book, uh, for for decades they shut down all scientific research into psychedelic drugs for obvious reasons, because these are mind-expanding drugs that um, makes people Uh, makes their mind pretty much transcend this uh, paradigm of domination and statism that we are currently living under. In the words of the late and great Terence McKenna, these drugs are political dynamite, and that is why they are considered so dangerous, uh, because they enable people to see outside of the box that was programmed around us through uh, public education, media, organized religion, whatever. Um, So this guy, his name is David Nutt, and um, he said that research into the deepest mysteries of the brain, including consciousness and mental illness, had been curtailed by the prohibition of drugs. And he said that scientists might find treatments for conditions such as schizophrenia by using modern techniques to study the effects of psychedelic drugs on the brain. This is something that I've been talking about for years, other uh, researchers have been talking about for decades. Uh, This is nothing new, but in mainstream circles, they try to uh, lump psychedelic drugs in with crack and heroin and all that other nonsense that destroys your body and destroys your mind, um, and just to discredit um, psychedelic drugs, because they, they could Probably bring down the system if enough people were to use them. Uh, I would highly recommend checking out that article Uh, It's extremely interesting Um, Another one uh, the next one one that I put out recently uh, It's a popular video game reveals villain uh, as leader of the 99% Uh, Now this is again nothing that's really new to me this Call of Duty series um, I know probably a ton of you play it out there, that's fine, whatever, I'm not gonna have that argument anymore, but again, this new one, it's total propaganda. Uh, The villain is characterized as the leader of the 99%, he's been compared with Julian Assange, and it just shows you that this is the kind of narrative that the ruling class is setting up through uh, the, uh, media that they're, they're putting together for us, um, let me read through the article, um, a minute, um, it has become blatantly clear that a political message is being sent by the ruling class to the rest of us using these video games and other media, I'm not saying that there is something wrong with these video games, we all need to relax every now and then, and if that's how you decide to do it, then that's great, However, this specific series and others like it that glorify war and demonize activists are highly suspect and can now quite confidently be identified as outright propaganda. And I think um, with, this, uh, with the 99% uh, idea being such a um, big thing this year, uh, it, it kind of really shows you whose side uh, the creator of these games are on. Uh, there there are some games out there that are highly revolutionary and, and use art the kind of ways that I would suggest people use art, but this series is definitely not one of them. It's, it's pro-war, anti-activist um, propaganda. So I've uh, had many, many tangents about that, so I'm not even uh, going to get too, too into that. We can just uh, move on. Uh, to the next one here uh, It's another Drug war issue here the um, internet drug market the Silk Road is under investigation by the DEA um, and It's looking like they're starting to uh, crack down on people to the point where They're actually starting to arrest people and being able to trace people uh, until then until now this market has been highly untraceable and um, Thanks to the tour network, but uh, unfortunately, you know, all good things must come to an end and it seems like it's starting to get a little bit more dangerous on this website. So those of you that are using it, if you must continue to use it, then um, I would highly suggest just being really, really careful about whatever goes on on there. I haven't been on there yet, but, uh, you know, I would definitely... Be very careful on there. Um, you might notice we have a lot of um, music stories, a lot of uh, drug war stories than uh, you would experience in most podcasts. And um, that is because that is one of the unique things that we bring to the table here. Uh, there are a lot of great sites where you could get awesome political current events uh, activistpost.com, intelhub.com, and liecom strike the root. Uh, tragedy and Hope, many others, um, every single day uh, they have new news relating to, you know, all, all the current events, politics, war, economics. Uh, so instead of just rehashing the same stuff that's everywhere else, uh, I'm going to focus on issues that relate specifically to the psychedelic culture and the counterculture movement. Alright, um, there are plenty of other, uh, good articles up on the site for this month about the, um, Libor banking scandal, some phone apps where you can help track police, some of your typical police terrorism stories, uh, and all of that can be found at aotmr.com. And we're coming up on two hours, so I'm going to try to keep most of these episodes under two hours. Uh, I hope you guys have a good week, and I will be seeing you next week. Peace, love, unity, respect, and voluntarism.